HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good afternoon and welcome to Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and we are broadcasting live from the back of Roberta's in Bushwick, 261 Moore Street, where brunch is being served. My guest today in studio is Jean Halloran. Jean is the Director of Food Policy Initiatives at the Consumers Union, which is the organization best known for consumer reports. And Jean has worked on food safety and sustainability issues at the Yonkers Office of Consumers Union for the last 25 years. Welcome, Jean. Thanks a lot for making the effort to come in. I really appreciate it. It's good to see you again. Thanks for having me. Now, you were here in July, and you were just about to start circulating, or you had just started circulating a petition to stop feeding antibiotics to food animals. So tell us a little bit about how you got that thing going, because that was, as we discussed before, kind of an unusual uh, program for consumers. They don't usually go so political. That's true. And we don't actually usually go so outside the political process. You know, we'll take a stand on a bill, but we don't usually, um, you know, take to the streets or uh, or go direct to the companies. We, you know, we do our objective product ratings and consumers will do what they will with them. But in this case, with the issue of antibiotics, it, this has been before government agencies for going on three and a half decades. Yeah. And we have been getting nowhere. I mean, there are powerful lobbies in Washington for the drug industry and the livestock industry who don't want to do anything to restrict the antibiotics that are being given to animals. We give 80% of the animals that are made in this country, of the antibiotics that are made in this country, go to animals, not to people. Mm-hmm. And we have a bad problem with antibiotic overuse in general, and it's leading to superbugs that are making people really sick. Right. I mean, uh, when you were um, about to deliver the petition to Trader Joe's, because this particular petition was targeted directly to Trader Joe's, because you felt 
at some point, and for some reason, which I hope you'll explain, um, <laughs> that they would be receptive to the idea of selling only meat that was antibiotic-free. So what, first of all, what led you to think that Trader Joe's would be receptive to that? And then what was the response when you um, delivered your 557,000 signatures? Right. Well, we thought, you know, Trader Joe's is out there. They've, they've got a progressive image. They have some progressive policies. They sell sustainably caught fish only. Um, they only uh, use non-genetically engineered ingredients uh, in, in their store brands. So we thought, you know, they, they ought to be, perhaps they'd be willing to listen on this topic. Right, and this would be a nice marketing ploy for them as well. I mean, exactly. it's another reason to shop there instead of, say, Whole Foods. Right. I mean, Whole Foods is the one chain that is 100% no antibiotics. Right. And so we thought probably Trader Joe could do this too. They have some of these products. Um, no pork, though. Um, and uh, so we thought perhaps they could make the transition. So we put this pe- petition up and worked with some partner organizations, uh, Humane Society, Natural Resources Defense Council, Change.org, and uh, and really, we were hoping to get 100,000 signatures, and we ended up with 557,000. Yeah, incredible. So, so clearly, consumers are on the side of getting rid of antibiotics in the food chain. Yeah. Very much so. And it's an issue that people are more and more aware of, I think, than, you know, certainly they were five years ago. Yes, yes. There is, there is a lot of concern on this. Yeah. And so uh, we then contacted Trader Joe's and asked for a meeting. We said, could we just pre- present you these signatures and, and discuss the issue? Um, and they said no. Just they, flat out no. Pretty much flat out no. Wow. And you delivered this they, to the flagship store in New York. Yes. Yeah, so because we, we, we were turned down for our request for a meeting at their headquarters in Monrovia, California, mm. um, we said, well, you know, we, we want Trader Joe's to get this petition. So uh, last Thursday, we went to their flagship store in New York on 14th Street. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, we brought along our new mascot, who we're, we're calling Joe the Pig. Um, he's a life-size, human-sized pig, mm-hmm. and he wants to get off drugs. Yeah. So he's sick of being a junkie, and he really is. He wants to get off drugs, so so he came with us, and uh, so did quite a few consumers, and um, and so we we uh, talked to media for a while about what we were doing, and then uh, we went inside and uh, gave the names of all the signees to the store manager. So uh, we're hopeful that the manager will pass it on to. Uh, Trader Joe's top executives uh, in California. Um, but we also uh, took video of the event, and uh, if you want to go to our website, notinmyfood.org, uh, you can see the video, and you could actually email it to Trader Joe's headquarters yourself. Oh, what a great idea. I think that's excellent. And you had some, I, of course, was at the event. I mean, full disclosure here. I was at the event, and you had one um, one really compelling speaker. I mean, a lot of, the, everybody who spoke yeah. was compelling. But this one woman in particular who had worked in the hog industry and described how her husband had developed MRSA, which is methicillin staphylococcus aureus resistance, right? Or methicillin right. resistant staphylococcus aureus, sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those superbugs that you talk about. And um, it's not clear to me, and maybe you can help us understand whether 
the methicillin that it's resistant to is um, a drug that's commonly fed to livestock, or is that just... I always think of MRSA as being a hospital-related dr- uh, disease, not so much on the livestock side, but I guess I'm wrong, because her husband got it from her, and um, was, and so did her daughter, yeah. and they were both very, very sick. Yes, um, MRSA has now become disturbingly common in hog production. Amazing. And among that. hog workers. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- you know, how it got there, we're not exactly sure, uh, but uh, there was some uh, research by Institute for Ag and Trade Policy that I believe found something like, um, you know, evidence of, of presence of some MRSA even at a very low level in something like half the samples they looked at. Oh, my God, that's terrifying. Yeah. And do you remember, just to, to go on a little tangent here for a second, do you remember a couple of years ago when the when the um, hog plant, slaughter plant workers were coming down with that crazy neurological thing from inhaling pig brains? Yeah. That was probably also somehow related to all of this antibiotic resistance. I mean, really. Well, maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, that one was never really, I thought, tracked. Never resolved. Never resolved. Um, but... Uh, but MRSA is definitely found at hog farms. A mm-hmm. number of studies have found it there. And this suddenly this woman who worked with the antibiotics all the time. Right. She giving, was administering the antibiotics. Administering them. Uh, you know, suddenly her, her husband got sick with this skin. It's a skin infection that mm-hmm. can kill you. Ultimately. It kills 18,000 people a year. Wow. Uh, it's a very serious problem. Oh yeah, and and the trouble is, it, it's resistant to multiple antibiotics. So, the things you would normally use to cure a bacterial infection don't work on this, and they have to escalate to more and more powerful antibiotics and and bigger cocktails of them. And bigger also. cocktails. In right. fact, I didn't think that it was survivable. I thought people always died from MRSA, but obviously they don't because her husband didn't die of that. He died of some other horrible thing. Um, let's go on for a second. Are you planning on other actions such as this? Will you be targeting other chains, grocery store chains, for example, to or restaurant chains? We're we've we're looking at the thirteen largest supermarket chains. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to keep uh, going to uh, Trader Joe's stores. Um, we're, we've asked uh, consumers, and if you go to our website, uh, you can get a flyer uh, where that you can take to a Trader Joe's store. Excellent. And a lot of people are doing that. That's great. I love to hear that. Um, I was just thinking to myself that Wegmans would probably be an excellent store for you to target because they are uh, quite um, sustainably conscious, as it were. Um, they're more progressive, I think, than many of the others' chains, even though they're not maybe the biggest one. But certainly in upstate New York, there's a lot of Wegmans around. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll think about putting them on our list. <laughs> Um, so let's go on. Uh, now, in my favorite uh, reading material, which is meetingplace.com, in case you didn't know that already, folks, uh, Congresswoman Slaughter, the Democrat from upstate New York, has continued her campaign against antibiotic use in animal agriculture by sending a detailed questionnaire to 60 fast food companies, meat producers, meat processors, and grocery chains, asking them to disclose their policies on antibiotic use in meat and poultry production. And I'm just going to read a couple of the, you know, sort of, um, shall we say, salient uh Responses from um, some of the biggest meat producers in the country, or food food producers in general. So Cargill, which I th- generally think of as a fairly progressive uh, company, it's still a family-owned company. It's privately owned, I should say, not family-owned, but privately owned, and um, and they've been very progressive about improving their slaughtering facilities and implementing better designs. You know, with Temple Grandin, blah blah blah. 
So I think of them as being kind of cool, but no, I mean, in the scheme of things, <laughs> you know, let's put it that way. Um, but Cargill, here's their response. Cargill favors regulator policy that is science and risk based. Okay, risk based. You're going to have to explain that to me and supports the stringent FDA approval process for veterinary drugs. Now, we're not talking about veterinary drugs. We're talking about human drugs used in a veterinarian setting. So what are they saying here? Uh not much. Yeah. <laughs> um, of, antibiotics used on humans do have to be approved by the vet drugs division at FDA before you use them on animals. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to be safe for humans and animals. And that's supposed to consider whether the resistance problem will develop. develop. Um, but again, FDA actually uh, proposed banning penicillin for animal use 35 years ago. Right. And they were blocked by the industry who said they had to do some studies before they could do that. And then they had to do some more studies. And then when those (laughs) were finished, they had to do some more studies. Mm -hmm. And after about a decade, FDA got the point and kind of gave up on trying. Right. Certainly seems that way. Hormel said, Hormel Foods and the producers that supply hogs and turkeys to the company follow programs that meet or exceed... FDA guidelines to ensure that medications are used appropriately to keep animals healthy. What are those FDA guidelines? And after all, there are guidelines, they're not rules. That's right. They're guidelines. And they just issued them this spring. Right. And what they said was that everybody should try really hard not to use any antibiotics uh, for growth promotion. Which means putting it routinely in the food or the water as opposed to an injectable. Ah, uh, but there's a trick. Okay. You see, you see, because there are three kinds of uses, growth promotion, disease prevention, mm-hmm. and treating sick animals. Right. Now, the treating sick animals, which you normally do with an injection, amounts for about five to about 5% of one at all antibiotic use. The rest of it um, has traditionally been thought of as growth promotion, but... Uh, in the wake of FDA saying that they shouldn't use these drugs for growth promotion, now we hear that actually it's all for disease prevention, (laughs) which is perfectly acceptable to FDA. Right. So it it appears that perhaps at most 10 or 15 percent of the drug use might be eliminated if they eliminated the purely growth promotion uses but the point is is that they can say whatever they want to say that it's disease prevention and of course animals that are in confined areas uh, are more likely to generate disease amongst each other than animals that are out on pasture and tend to need a lot of disease prevention yeah exactly um let's go on we have like a couple minutes before we have to take a break and then um so let's see what was the other one that really knocked me flat here national beef National Beef is one of the four largest meat processing companies in the country. They said the company supports the current FDA approval process and withdrawal time requirements for veterinary drugs and the federal residue monitoring system. Let's talk for a second about these time requirements and about the residue monitoring system. Well... Uh, all these uh, drugs, and we're not just talking about antibiotics. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a drug called uh, ractopamine, mm-hmm. uh, which is... They're trying to get it out of the hog industry, but I don't think it's going yes, anywhere. Yes, it, it's, it's quite legal to use. They um, banned it, by the way, in Europe. You know that, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, and uh, and it's related to some of these drugs that they give racehorses that are mm. a concern. Um, and uh, for all these drugs, you're supposed to stop using them a certain number of weeks before slaughter so that the um, drug doesn't end up uh, or it's below a tolerance, an acceptable level in the food on the dinner plate. Um, well, that's important and that's good. But it doesn't solve the problem of superbugs. Right. The, the superbugs happen way back when the animal is growing. And, and it selects for the, the, the drug selects for the superbugs. You can end up with superbugs on your food even if there are no antibiotic residues. Interesting. So when we talk about superbugs, we're talking about, say, some of the new salmonella strains that are coming out, salmonella Newport, salmonella Heidelberg, which was implicated in that big food, um, the big sprout um, outbreak in Germany last year, which is one of my favorite stories. Um, <laughs> I did a whole program on sprouts last week uh-huh. with a microbiologist because I think they should be taken off the supermarket shelves also. Um, uh, anyway... Um, yeah, there's there's just a, a plethora of new uh, strains of old diseases that are what you're ta- referring to as superbugs. Am I right? Yes. When it when you have a a disease causing organism that doesn't respond to antibiotics anymore, that's become immune to them or resistant to them, um, we call them superbugs because mm-hmm. uh, they're so hard to treat. Sure, absolutely. Um, Jean, we're going to take Joe. We're going to take a little tiny break for a sponsor drop, and we'll be right back with Jean Holler- Halloran, who is the uh, director of food policy initiatives for Consumers Union, the wonderful outfit that brings us consumer reports. Stay tuned. grass-fed beef pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef free-range, sustainably produced humane Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef the authentic flavor of the American West I guess we're back. We're back. <laughs> this is Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer. And in the studio with me today is Jean Halloran from Consumers Union, the outfit that brings us the wonderful Consumer Reports. So, Jean, we were talking about 
antibiotics in the food chain. And we're going to jump right to what Consumers Union um, is uh, talking about in terms of what they want to see um, happen in the industry, both in uh, grocery store chains and on the on the industrial level. So you were talking before the show, we were talking a little bit about labeling and trying to get stores to, at the very least, label um, meats that are uh, antibiotic-free or meats that contain antibiotics. What? How do you think that's going to play out? Do you think stores are going to be willing to do that? Do you think the industry is going to let that happen? Well, at the moment, there are uh, some labels uh, mm-hmm. in, in, uh, that indicate that meat has been raised without antibiotics. In fact, the problem actually is that there are too many. When When we sent our shoppers into the stores in the spring, we went to 136 stores, we found more than 20 different labels that had something about uh, raised without antibiotics, no antibiotics, mm-hmm. antibiotic-free, many, many ways to say it, which is really kind of confusing to the consumer, especially since some of those labels are really not meaningful. For example, you can't trust natural. Right. Right. Absolutely. Natural has nothing to do with how the animal was raised. It only has right. to do with what happens to the meat after it's uh, slaughtered. Really? You want to di- let's dissect that for a second. What do you mean by that? Well, you could have a cow who was given hormones, who was given antibiotics, who was given um, uh, 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 the remains of pigs and chickens to eat. Right. And, uh, and it could be called natural. Because natural doesn't have anything to do with how it was raised. Right. It just means that after the animal is slaughtered, that they don't use coloring agents on it, on the meat. Okay, that's a new I didn't realize that. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Most people think natural is like organic. It yeah, is not. It's totally not. I mean, I've always thought that natural didn't mean anything, but I didn't realize that it was really <laughs> applying to the post-slaughter processing rather than what happens beforehand, which I think, uh, you know, is obviously a very common mistake. Um, So you guys want to uh, standardize labeling in stores and encourage more grocery store chains to drop meat that is antibiotic treated. Yes. Uh, And there is generally no labeling on that meat. That's just meat. Yeah. Um, it's when it is uh, raised without antibiotics, usually it has some sort of label because the store is hoping to get at least some premium for it, sure. some price premium. Although, also when we did our survey, we found that those products are not that much more expensive than conventional meat. No, I don't think so either. Um, you know, a little bit more, sometimes even a little bit less than the average price mm-hmm. we found. So how um, the meat industry, when uh, Representative Slaughter reintroduced her bill, which is the Preservation of Antibiotics for Medical Treatment Act, which is designed to end the routine use of antibiotics on healthy animals and curb the meat industry, trade groups argued that antibiotics are stringently regulated and judiciously used, and that there is a lack of human health risks related to the judicious use of antibiotics in livestock production and that antibiotics offer benefits to food animal production. Well, I think the benefits are pretty obvious, which is fewer animals get sick and they grow faster. So that's we see that as a plus side for the industry. But when they say that there is a lack of human health risks, what science are they pointing to <laughs> when they say that? I, you know, it's hard to say. I think they're they're trying to say that people have that 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 the science has not shown that there's some epidemic that results directly from antibiotic use on the farm 
Um, but it's it's one of those hard links to make, you know, just as it took a long time to link smoking to lung cancer. Um, you know, when we have something like this turkey outbreak where there was a salmonella that was resistant to uh, to four different antibiotics. Right. That was last year, a cartel plant in yes. ground turkey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, I think 36 million pounds had to be recalled. Hundreds of people were in the hospital. Yeah. Um, well, I guess they can say that the, the resistant bacteria just kind of got there by accident out of the air. Um, they could say that. They could say that. They kind of did say that. Right. But... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it's the scientific consensus is that when you're using antibiotics on the turkeys all the time, that it promotes the development of these strains, mm-hmm. and that the, having them be resistant in this way makes it much more difficult to treat somebody who gets sick. So they're sick longer. Uh, they may even die. There was one death associated with that particular outbreak. Yeah, although Cargill got way out in front of that for once. Um, First of all, they did great public relations around it in right. terms of informing consumers and withdrawing uh, product from the market before you know tens of thousands of people got sick. And actually, I misspoke earlier that that Germany outbreak with the sprouts was an E. coli 0157H7 yes. outbreak. This was the Salmonella Heidelberg, which right. is one of these new antibiotic resistant strains. Right. Um, and then and then there's another problem. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you have a bug like that Salmonella or the MRSA, which are our hog farm worker picked up and then she goes to a hospital as she did uh, because she got pneumonia right um that's how it gets into a hospital setting mm-hmm. you know it's a, a a nurse comes and and is treating her the nurse picks it up and passes it on to the next room and all of a sudden the, ho- the hospital has a MRSA problem yeah, that's right and it's very difficult to eradicate those problems i mean MRSA is by no means the only antibiotic resistant um disease that's passing around in, in hospitals. There's that C. difficile, which is an yes. intestinal ailment, which can basically kill you if you're old. And yes. that's totally and exclusively hospital-related. So, I mean, in a way, we should... One of the things that the livestock industry does to defend themselves, and I think it is uh, legitimate and, and realistic to point out that antibiotics are overused in this country in general, Yes, and that it's it's uh, they claim, and this may or may not be true, but they claim that it is a small percentage of um, that livestock overuse represents a very small percentage of the overall problem. That part is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Uh, when when they're using eighty percent of the antibiotics that are produced in this country, right. you can't say it's a small part of the problem. Right. Right. And 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 bacteria are promiscuous. Mm. They they don't they don't observe borders. They don't know where the edge of the farm is. Uh, right. They don't know if somebody works on a farm or in a hospital or in a city. Um, it, it, you know, nature has its ways. Things don't observe borders. Bugs come here from Asia. Bacteria travel around too extremely easily. Yeah, sure. I mean, we have such an international. Um, our food supply is global, for example, just yes. for starters. Um, my guest last week was Doug Powell, who's a microbiologist at Kansas State University. And he was saying, he runs this fantastic blog called The Barf Blog. Yes. And, <laughs> yes, and he always includes international news about food outbreaks, because as he pointed out, our global food supply is international. We're getting supplies from all over the world. And each one of those countries that food comes in from has its own 
special brands of pathogens, right? So right. it's really difficult to control for that. Um, we're going to have to, unfortunately, wrap it up in just a second. But there was one more question I wanted to bring up. Um, when you and I were at that conference uh, in May last spring, which was sort of for the national you know, grocery um, I forget who the organization was that, that put that thing on. Uh, but Grocery Manufacturers grocery, of America. Right. right. Anyway, so they, were, um, they had William Flynn, who was the chief sort of FDA-trained veterinarian specialist, the guy who basically monitors this stuff. And he uh, made this very long and complicated expl- explanation about why they can't do what we're asking them to do, which is take antibiotics out of the food chain. Because when you withdraw one drug then you put a bacterial load onto another drug, which makes that drug less likely to be effective. And basically what he was saying is that you can't just willy-nilly phase out all antibiotic use. You have to do it in some sort of staged operation. How do you respond to that? Well, it is true that if you just withdraw one, they'll probably use another. But that's why we say that they have to... That's why we're pushing for supermarkets to carry meat that are not raised with any antibiotics at all. Mm -hmm. Um, They do it in organic. It can be done. Uh, We think that's the way to go and that that's how we'll reduce antibiotic use. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, boy, oh boy, you've got your work cut out for you getting the industry to to go along with that. Never mind the pharmaceuticals who are going to lose millions and millions of dollars of revenue. Yes, well, they will. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they will. Okay, and tell that to the shareholders, Gene. (laughs) Oh, they've got plenty of other products. (laughs) They do, they do indeed. And one last thing, are they developing new antibiotics or is that kind of at a static, you know, level? I mean, I don't see that there's a lot of research being done about developing new ones. What's your take on that? We haven't seen new antibiotics coming along uh, the, the, the way they did when they were first discovered. Uh, I perhaps it's because research dollars aren't going into it, but it may be that we've kind of exhausted this approach. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be that there aren't a lot of uh, compounds out there lurking around, like penicillin, you know, which we found sure. as a bread mold. We may have really uh, located all the ones that are useful to us, which makes it all the more important to protect these incredibly precious drugs yeah. that we have. Absolutely. Well, we'll be talking about this again and again over the course of this year until we see some movement either on the part of the FDA or on the part of consumers and grocery stores. And Jean, um, I just want you to tell people one more time where they can find more information about this, where they can download their leaflets or their papers for Trader yes. Joe's and all that jazz. Right. There, you can go to two places. One is notinmyfood.org, mm-hmm. which is a consumer's union website, and we'll have the most up-to-date information and background. You can also go to meatwithoutdrugs.org, if that's easier to remember. Okay, Meat great. With- and if they go to the consumer's, uh, Consumer Union uh, website, they'll be directed to one of those two places, right? Uh, yes. You have links on you, your page, right? You, you, you might have to search around a little, but it's, it's not in my food.org or meatwithoutdrugs.org. Meat right. Okay, well, Jean, thank you so much. And next week, folks, we'll be having the incredibly charming and wonderful Libby Summers, who's a fantastic cookbook author, uh, food stylist, and just all-around good time. So I hope you'll join us next week with Libby Summers. This has been Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and we'll be seeing you next week. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, 
or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.